Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Welcome, everybody. You have tuned in to episode number 175 of Linux in the Ham Shack. We're recording on Labor Day, which we shouldn't be doing, but we're doing it anyway. I'm your host, Russ, K5TUX, and out in fuzzy audio, big country Montana, we have Bill, and E4RD. Good evening. <laughs> and we also have, sitting across from me, Cheryl. Good evening. Yeah, good, good evening, good. everyone. Wow. Pick hey, have another. Day, just one in a, you know. <laughs> good, 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 good. <laughs> oh, right. boy. So this is Labor Day 2016, and we've got some things to talk about. Oh, hurricanes and Netflix and I don't know. There's there's all kinds of stuff. So I suppose we should probably just jump right into our episode. So, Bill... Woo. Talk about Hermione, or no, not Hermione. Hermione, it's, yeah. It's Hermine. <laughs> Hermine, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, hurricane season. So, uh, you know, it's September. People are starting to think, man, Labor Day's here. It's, uh, you know, hey, it's time for fall, right? Well, hurricane season is still ongoing. In fact, it goes on through uh, December 1st. And I uh, ran across this uh, story that got linked up by Eham, uh, a really good uh, video and uh, news story. About some hams that are uh, that were stepping in and helping emergency workers there at uh, at uh, Tropical Storm Hermine, which obviously has made the news cycle. And when, once this gets out, it'll, you'll still be you know you, everybody will know about it, right? The the radio operators are the volunteers who provide the variety of services, including emergency communications, and uh, for state and federal agencies when the storms hit. And uh, Aries groups were activated for this uh, up and down the coastline. Uh, the storm has been around for a little while. And uh, I was just looking, uh, you know, September is a pretty popular month for storms, too. Uh, you guys probably, well, maybe you guys don't remember. Hurricane Hugo came through in mid-September and uh, came into the Carolinas. Yeah, a bunch of storms. I mean, we have a long season ahead of us. And, you know, keep your uh, keep your gear prepared and uh, keep the training up. It's an ongoing thing. And uh, it's a, important that uh, us as amateur radio hobbyists uh, help out when we can, especially when you know, these areas are hit by these storms or, you know, like the flooding down in uh, Louisiana, which also gained some uh, coverage of some radio operators helping down there. So, yeah, I thought it was uh, really good. And the production quality of the video is pretty awesome. Well, very good. Usually when we get hurricanes around here, all we do is get a little bit of rain because we, we are like right in the middle of the country. So it's it's yeah. a tiny little bit of residual rain. And By the time it eventually gets to you, right? It's right. Just, uh, you know, and and winds that are usually less strong than they just normally are. So, because yeah. <laughs> well, see, they don't even make it up here. So, right, uh, right. They don't even know what a hurricane is here. But you know. although but, in Pawnee, Oklahoma, a couple of days ago, we had a five point two earthquake, which was about so hundred miles. Apparently, there. people around here felt it. I was asleep at the time. Well, <clears throat> something woke me up. So <laughs> apparently, it was that? Uh, I guess so. You know, I tend to sleep through most anything, so. That's very true. <laughs> so we don't have to deal with hurricanes, but apparently earthquakes are on the rise. And tornadoes. Yeah, tornadoes. All right, yeah. well, that's cool. Uh, that story came from Eham. There was some additional information you posted that came out of uh, an article in a newspaper and online publication out of Jacksonville, Florida. That thing, yeah. uh, Hermine, is actually up around Massachusetts right now because I saw some posts on Facebook today uh, from some family friends who were uh, showing the the winds and stuff blowing in off the coast. So my parents are are getting the the residual effect of Hermine right now. They'll be happy they don't have to water their yard <laughs> or something. <right? laughs> I'm not sure that's the way they want that to happen, but okay. Yeah, your mother was complaining about having to water the yard. At so. least she doesn't have to worry about being underwater. She's a good four and a half miles or so from the ocean. I'm sure it's windy up there right now. Yeah, yeah, they're getting a lot of onshore flow. They're talking what two to four foot uh, storm surge in those areas. Yeah, that's not over yet. I mean, they're still what do they call that? Uh, once it leaves the cyclone region, becomes something else, not necessarily a tropical storm. Don't, don't know. know. Yeah, I don't. I, I failed don't. meteorology class. So, you know. <laughs> I never took one, so I, <laughs> I, I bet they. Yeah. I bet they right. cleared the beach for Labor Day, though. 
Yeah, yeah. I got, I got a, I got a umbrella. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we have one too that we rarely use. <laughs> yeah, we don't get a lot of rain here in Montana, so uh, you know when we do get rain, we all run out and jump for joy. We're like, yay, rain! <laughs> let it fall. All right, and since you are like super active with the scouts, we'll let you handle the the Joda thing. Oh, the Joda thing. That's right. Jamboree on the air. And also uh, Jamboree on the Internet. Uh, Jamboree on the Air 2016. Uh, the Scouts Jamboree on the Air officials are asking Joda 2016 participants not only to register for this year's event, but follow up with a post-Joda report. Uh, as an incentive, all stations filing reports will automatically be entered to win an ICOM ID-51A handheld transceiver. The 59th annual Joda takes place the weekend of October 14th through 16th. And uh, there was a couple articles that were put out, uh, one by the ARL, and uh, ICOM America did a really good write-up uh, on uh, you know dealing with youth and uh, radio scouting and, and everything else. So we, we linked that, too, in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, I know we're, we're pushing really hard. I'm part of the uh, K2BSA uh, Amateur Radio Association, so I do all the... All the newsline reports and stuff like that for uh, all the scouting activities and and this is their big one. This is like you know the the Boy Scout selling popcorn time. You know this is when everybody wants to get on the air and uh, work. Uh, you know other Joda stations and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of hams help out by uh, working these scouts and and getting them on the air and just uh, being uh, someone to talk to on the other side. Start getting ready for it if uh, if you're a ham and are interested in helping. By all means, uh, you know, contact your local council or uh, district and see how you can help. And, you know, if your club is involved, maybe your club can help as well. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of ham clubs don't uh, don't even know that they can uh, help participate with this particular activity. And it's uh, it's good to get them on there. All right. Very cool. We don't have a lot of interaction with the scouts. The last thing that I did with the scouts was when I turned into a weeblo way back in, I don't know, 1984 four-ish or something <laughs> what's that stand for how the hell should i know that was 30 years ago <laughs> <laughs> it's like we be loyal scouts or something like that <laughs> something like that i, I have the slightest before idea. you go to boy scouts the only thing i went to the boy scouts for was the soapbox derby that was the best thing ever oh yeah 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 we've done quite a bit of of activities here with the uh, local scout group uh we just did their uh spring campery uh you know back at the beginning of the year obviously and uh they did it on a uh a lewis and clark uh area so we were able to activate that as a npota station you know national parks on the air and that's another fun event you can get scouts involved with is uh national parks on the air and uh, summits on the air uh, i mean scouts love hiking it'd be a great experience getting them up there and Getting them on the radio. I mean, we just did a story, uh, what, the last episode, or the episode before last, where uh, a guy uh, went hiking at a scout ranch and did uh, two summits on the air. So, yeah, that's awesome. And I said soapbox derby. I meant pinewood derby. That was the thing from... Uh, yeah. Right. yeah, I knew what you meant. Yeah, I, I knew what I meant, too. I just didn't say it. Where they drop the cars <laughs> down the track. That's that's the one. Yep. Yeah, and you build the little car. It's got to stay under five ounces or something like that, and they got the little jig to make sure you're not cheating. <laughs> yeah, the, the scouts are the best people ever for letting everyone know what balsa wood is because you would never know yes. unless you were in the scouts. That's true. That's true. You know, the thing is, if you were a Weeblo and when 84, um, you were way behind. That's like um, you should have gotten your eagle by fourth now. grade. You know, this is <laughs> oh, maybe it was 74. I don't know. Yeah, maybe 74, because that would have been closer to fourth grade for you. Yeah, well, I was making yeah. up a year. Come on. I had no, this is all a distant memory. I was, I was sitting there going, you know, I was a Girl Scout, but I thought Weeblos were like the equivalent of brownies. No, so, Weeblos like... Uh, a little bit. That's like the last step. Yeah, it's above Cub Scout and before Boy Scout. I I think it is right now. It is fourth and fifth grade. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, uh, it used it's to be a little bit later. I think it was like fifth and sixth, maybe fifth and sixth grade. Back way back then in the Stone Age. You okay, know? well that would have been around 1978 <laughs> then. So <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, that sounds about right. There okay, we well, so so there we go. 1978, huh, almost 40 years ago. Thanks for bringing that up. I guess I'm the one who brought it up, so we should move on. Uh, yeah, don't blame me. I'm not blaming hey, anybody. Let's talk about something new, right? Yeah, let's talk about something new. Cheryl can read this next one because I want to hear her read this next one. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. 
So, the next topic is Do Cool Badger in the Netflix Generation. There's no place like higher education when it comes to doing cool badger. College takes a bunch of willing and interesting people and gets them into the same dorm or class. Not taking advantage of this unique community isn't just wasting an opportunity. It's something that can profoundly harm you in the long run. Okay. Are you a bearded ham radio enthusiast who wants to keep the government out of beekeeping business? Then there's the Beard Enthusiast Club, the Amateur Radio Club, the RIT College Republicans, and the Beekeepers Club for your idiosyncratic enjoyment. Finding people to connect with isn't just a part of the college experience. It's vital to the well-balanced, to a well-balanced and healthy life. Loneliness is damaging to your health. So instead of succumbing to your bed and flipping open your laptop, have the conviction to defy your anxieties. Do cool badger and become a more connected and well-rounded person. It's essential to your well-being. It is. I just saw this. It was a kind of a op-ed in the RIT uh, reporter newspaper or school publication or whatever it is. <laughs> I, I paraphrased it a bit to make it a little more interesting, but it does man- it does mention amateur radio. It also mentions bearded amateur radio people who uh, like beekeeping, apparently. Who apparently like beekeeping and wear tinfoil hats, which sounds, you know, like like some of us, maybe. (laughs) Sounds about right. I don't know. But its point is clear, and I think its point is accurate that uh, whether you're in the college experience or whether you're just in life experience, you should get out there and try some things. And I think amateur radio is one of those things that you should try. As he but stares Pokemon at me across Go the table. Not, right? <laughs> Pokemon Go, yeah. <laughs> is Pokemon whole... Go done? Uh, it it no. kind of sounds like it's done. I think the craze is... The, I think the craze is over, but I don't think it's done yet. I was uh, I, I was volunteering this weekend uh, doing some staining down at uh, at a new bookstore. I was surprised. You know, I saw some kids down there and doing their little thing on the phones, and they, they were definitely playing Pokemon Go. But then this morning, I was finishing up staining some shelves, and there was this uh, uh, not too old couple. Let's say, you know, I don't know. I'm not even gonna say they're old. Let's just say a couple. <laughs> and they were definitely walking around downtown playing Pokemon Go together. It was Aww. cute. <laughs> <laughs> see, Russ so and I don't dead. do anything like that. So, well, we yeah. both don't like Pokemon Go. For first of all, so oh, you can always play the other one. What's that other one? Ingress or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Ingress. Niantic, it's the the company, right? Um, sure Probably, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> same company does both. See, we are it's totally exactly not hip. Crap. We don't do. We don't know what the cool kids know. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be games that you go out and get exercise for that you don't think you're really getting exercise from. Well, well, right. no, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. It kind of it definitely goes along with the the story at hand here about getting out and doing stuff and trying things and not being holed up in front of your computer watching movies or playing Xbox One all day basically. Stop staring yeah. at me because you're guilty of it. I'm too. not staring at you. You're you're <laughs> st- you're in front of me. I can't. I have to look at something. I see. Uh. <laughs> so anyway, that's our uh, borderline amateur radio topics for this week. <laughs> so. <laughs> We'll move on to some borderline open source topics and we'll talk about uh, NASA's new open source project for mission control. So I guess everybody can now launch their own rockets, right? That's what this Woo! is all about. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. You know, just get on GitHub, do a Git clone, and you too can run your own mission control center. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I saw this. Uh, this actually uh, was announced I think prior to our last episode, I, I checked it out and I just I just didn't have time to look at it to uh, get it in here. So I wanted to mention it. Yeah, OpenMCT, the next generation mission control framework being developed by or at NASA's Ames Research Center in Silicon Valley in collaboration with the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. It's a web-based, well, obviously for uh, desktop and mobile. It's a, it's a pretty cool uh, application. They have, uh, if you go to the, the link in our show notes, um, they have a GitHub page, and they also have a demo site that shows how it's uh, how it can be used. How we would use it would probably be any type of like live telemetry data that you'd want to capture and chart and track. You know, um, I could see probably a, at least a few uses in the amateur radio arena for this kind of uh, item. Plus, it looks cool. So, yeah, take a look at it. It's pretty neat. So, you see a couple of uses in the amateur radio arena. What would those uses be? Uh, you know, anything like uh, telemetry-based, if you have, like, sensors on your uh, little beacon APRS thing, or you could have it charted in real time. 
you know, let's say you're doing a balloon launch or something like that. You could actually run it all through this. I was, I was trying to put you on the spot there to see if you actually thought about it, or if you were like, oh, yeah, yeah. there's some uses. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I, I was just kind of thinking that it's like, well, you know, I mean, you know, in general, probably no. But there's a lot of people doing stuff with these sensors and these small, uh, you know, single board computers. You know, there's a lot of data coming off those things that would be interesting to track while you're doing other stuff. So, and it's a, you know. Story today about a guy who was using a Raspberry Pi to build a bark sensor. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yes, wow. really. So, yep, you can use OpenMCT to track your dog, I guess. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> awesome. So you, you just need like about 20 monitors in your house and like one graph on each monitor. Yeah, and our Raspberry Pi would explode just like the Note 7 with all the barking that goes on here. No, I haven't heard any recalls about the Raspberry Pi yet, so ho- hopefully that's a good thing. And Give it three barking Westies. See, the nice thing about the Raspberry Pi is it doesn't have an included sealed battery. That's very yeah. true. So chances of it exploding just out of the blue are pretty small, I would say. It only explodes when it's charging. Who gives a crap when it explodes? I mean, the fact that it explodes is the issue, right? Yeah, the thing thing that's a little alarming to me is it plugs in next to my head. As long as you only want to use your Note 7 for one eight-hour period, you're perfectly safe. Yeah, Yeah, that'll never happen. I'm not even sure that my battery lasts for eight hours. But I'm on my phone constantly. When you're asleep, it does. Well, it's always charging when I'm asleep. Right. All right, so if you haven't heard, the Note 7 has been recalled by Samsung officially now, I gather. I guess yeah, now they're, phone now may they're looking into a ball of fire at any time. <laughs> <laughs> so if she runs out on the middle of this podcast, you know, <laughs> her phone just went in. No, no, it's <laughs> laying on the bookcase next to me, <laughs> not charging. <laughs> hey, do not set my IKEA bookcase on fire. <laughs> hey, who took you to IKEA to buy them? I, I probably drove you, I think. No, I drove you. Thank uh, you. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go get your Note 7 replaced. Every carrier is different about how they're handling the recall, et cetera, et cetera. So, whatever. Whatever. All yeah. right, so we're going to move on to BSD. <clears throat> we don't really talk about BSD very much, but there's a BSD variant that used to be called PCBSD and is now called TrueOS. And the project has evolved into a modern cutting-edge distribution focused on security, simplicity, and stability for desktops, servers, and beyond. This is what they all say. Uh, TrueOS harnesses the best elements of PCBSD, combines it with security technologies from OpenBSD, and layers in on top of FreeBSD to provide a complete system for modern machines. Sounds like a lot of, you know, marketing speak, actually, Mm -hmm. for, for BSD there. And I think you forgot one of the buzzwords. Did I leave out a buzzword? Oh, no. One of the buzzwords is that it's a rolling release now. Oh, that's not in the story. I thought I thought I had it in there originally, but I I, I, I did not touch your story, so you, oh, you apparently edited it out. I'm pretty certain I saw it in there, and I'm like, oh, there it is. It's it's these are one of these trigger words. <laughs> and you know how I know I didn't touch your story because it's still in italics, and I usually yeah, fix that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> well, because it's like I quoted it. I didn't want to. I didn't right. actually paraphrase. Right. <laughs> I so quotes on it. <laughs> I I, tr- I got TrueOS installed in the virtual machine, and that's as far as I got with it. And like I said, when I was doing the install, it was a pretty straightforward install. Like most BSD installs, you get a yep. little uh, text-based installer. You pick the option you want, and it basically go ahead and just copies everything onto your new file system, and away it goes. I did actually use the Xorg option for the auto detect of the video, and by accident, like I was telling you before, Bill, when it was when it Xorg crashed out. Yeah, I just control seed every time it crashed out, and eventually it found a driver it liked and booted up. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't gonna mess with it. I I did the Vesa, and I'm like, okay, that's good enough. Yeah. Um. But, so I got a working system, but that's as far as I got with it. I mean, it's it's certainly a usable machine. I found that the initial configuration was pretty sparse, and yeah. the Lumina desktop pretty ancient looking. I guess, uh, for yeah. lack of a better yeah, word. I mean. It, you know, I remember PS or sorry, PC BSD, you know, I tried that, I don't know, probably like four or five years ago and it was pretty slick back then. And I thought, oh, you know, it's new. It's probably modern. And I I was disappointed by the GUI. It was kind of lame. And uh, I think I tried that the same time I tried like Dragonfly. You remember that one? Dragonfly BSD? Yeah. Yeah. That was another variant. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's before I found like, you know. 
you know, NetBSD, OpenBSD. I, I found these variants before I went to those. <laughs> right. I use uh, FreeBSD in my in appliance architectures a lot. Um, I use yeah. them for uh, PFSense and, and other things. And um, also for NAS for free, which is based on FreeBSD. Uh, so, so in appliance sense, the BSD operating systems are excellent. I actually have a machine running NetBSD as well. Uh, because we have a friend who really likes NetBSD and he's kind of crazy, and we're running some software that he actually had a large part in the in the writing of, and it uses a lot of libraries that are native to BSD as opposed to Linux. So it was just easier to install a NetBSD machine rather than try and uh, get all the code to run under Linux. So I do that. Uh, used to run OpenBSD ages and ages and ages ago, but I think you were looking at TrueOS with an eye to figuring out if you could get ham radio software to run on it. Did you get that far? Yeah, yeah, and I think we'll talk about that in segment three. All right, well, we'll talk about that in segment three then. (laughs) What was that? Was there a sigh in there? No, that was me. Okay. My Etherpad has completely screwed up. I was going to say. I can't uh, get it fixed, so I'm done. No, just re- just reload your page. I have reloaded it a dozen times. Reboot your computer. Okay, well that's gonna that's the next option. Have you turned it off oh. and turned it on again? <laughs> uh, so, um, so anyway, <laughs> we'll just do the next story. How's that? You're using Windows anyway. You know you have to reboot at least once. I'm not sure what happened. I'm not sure what happened either. But anyway, every day for good measure. <laughs> at least yeah at least yeah yeah i can only see half of the etherpad page when you sighed and, and said your the etherpad had gone awry i thought you were going to say your phone was on fire but <laughs> no my phone is lying on the shelf if you see flames though let me know <laughs> just about spit beer everywhere <laughs> it's like oh look flames <laughs> too bad we don't have any beer to put it out with okay <laughs> all right so spaces win yeah, spaces win. This is almost like the, uh, an Emacs VI story or something like that. I saw this uh, linked on medium.com. It was a, a great little article, not only highlighting the fact that people use spaces more than they use tabs, but it went over the tools to actually determine you know, which languages, which ones use tabs, how many use tabs versus how many use spaces. So here, here's the gist of it. It's 400,000 GitHub responses repositories over a billion files 14 terabytes of code spaces or tabs so they were going to parse a billion files among 14 programming languages to decide which one is on top so without looking at the article which one which languages do you think had more tabs than spaces which language had more tabs than spaces is that what the question was (laughs) yeah is bash considered a language no 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 okay we're talking about actual programming languages close (laughs) <laughs> okay. Then it's probably something that actually is that probably something that actually uses tabs or is is white space delimited like Python. Oh no. no. Yeah, you fail. Well, C, because the indenture usually had more. C had more uh, about 600,000 uh lines or tabs versus uh, uh about 550,000 spaces. And then one language had almost all tabs, which was Go, which I was unaware of. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But uh, you were unaware general, of Go or the yes. fact that people use tabs. Yeah, uh, you know. Well, but anyone uses Go. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be just as good as Node.js as soon as they read it. You know. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, it was interesting. I was like, uh, you know, I'm a spaces guy. You know, I, I set up my VI to replace every tab with a space as soon as I open up a file, just to make sure I don't have tabs in there, because you can see the tabs as control characters, which is kind of a pain in the butt if you use uh, certain editors. Yes. So, yeah. Um, I, I program a lot in PHP and, and in Python, and I think I always use tabs, actually. Yeah, interesting. Um, now, are you sure you're using tabs? Or when you hit the tab button, it could be inserting four spaces. No, because it's always eight spaces, so I'm pretty sure it's a tab. Oh, yeah, it's a true tab, yeah. Yeah. Nick. <laughs> oh, gee. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, spaces win, so get with it, man. All right, I guess I'll have to go through all of my code and convert all the tabs to spaces. Actually, you can get a plug-in that'll do it all for you automatically. (laughs) So uh, I highly recommend it because, yeah, makes you look like All right, 
Yeah, I'm going to have to do what the cool kids do. I'm going to convert to spaces. That's right. <laughs> then you can do things like, you know, program in Python and you'll be all really cool. I program in Python. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. You should be all spaces. <laughs> no, yeah, I use I, tabs and Python. No, no, I use spaces in Python, but in PHP, I pretty much always use tabs. Oh, well, so. PHP is. Oh, yeah. uh, don't it's even. I, I heard what you were. <laughs> I, I could see your thoughts. Just <laughs> now, hey, I have, I have, I probably still have production applications written in PHP. So, you know, I can't really complain. It works and it, it works excellently for what it's designed to do. And it's a hell of a lot better than using CGI for everything. Right. And that's not like, you know, computer graphics kids. <laughs> <laughs> It's not Avatar we're talking. <laughs> right. Common gateway interface. <laughs> Don't get all technical. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on, that we're into a Pearl. Yeah. That's, hey, Ugh. Pearl's still a thing. Every yeah. year I go to a conference. Pearl 6 or something, right? Pearl Is it Pearl 6? Um, the last time I used Pearl was like 5.11 or something like yeah. that. But. Yeah. I could swear that I just saw something not too long ago on Pearl, and I'm like, really? Oh. I thought we were never going to leave four. <laughs> I was like, that was the big thing. I was like, yeah, there's going to have like 5 million revisions of 4.9 until, you know, we just run out of you know, digits behind the floating point. Well, the way things are going, there's going to be a Python 5 before people stop using 2.7. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just did something on PIP on that. They were looking at the data from PIP and yeah, 2.7 is the hot one. Right. Um, and although I've ran... 3.5 on uh, uh, you know quite a few of the projects I have and never had any problems with anything. Yeah, well, I, did, I just found I did out- have a problem. Like, what was that that thing I compiled last? Was it last week or the week or the time before? And I had to had to put 2.7 on the machine just to get it to compile. I know some folks who are still programming in PHP 4, and I know the later versions of Debian and the unstable version, the the one that's installed as PHP 7. And I'm not even sure that people. There are some folks out there that even know that PHP 7 exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's out there. Yeah, Quisk. Quisk was, was what I uh, what I was uh, compiling. Yeah, we talked about that in the last episode where you had yep. to use two point seven. Yep, yep, yep. Exactly. All right. Well, that was enough uh, tangent there for <laughs> spaces. Symbola actually in the chat room a while back said that OpenBSD <laughs> six has just been released. Yeah, I saw that too. I was I was going to mention it, but I didn't want you know put too much BSD. <laughs> I didn't want to sidetrack us. No, that would never happen. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that was just out yesterday, I think. Yeah, very cool. Our OpenBSD's claim to fame is it's a super secure operating system. That yes, yeah, so it was NetBSD. <laughs> yes, NetBSD is secure because no one knows how to use it. <laughs> okay, I got a prompt. What do I do now? <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to our Linux in the Hamshack topics, and I got a message on Google Plus informing me, and so that I can inform all of you, that Callbook Log has been released as version 2.1, brand new release. It's a ham radio logging solution built on MySQL and PHP, very nice. It allows you to host a log on a web server and have easy access to viewing, editing, deleting, backing up, and restoring your log. It allows everyone to view the log and a central administrative section, which, when logged in, allows you to add and edit and remove entries. It features an easy-to-set-up page, run the setup and enter the required values, and you're set to start logging. It is mobile-friendly, easy on bandwidth, and should work well in any browser. If entering a contact that you have worked before, it will show you the last five dates and times for that station. And although it's been tested well, the software is in active development. The author says to stay tuned for tweaks and additions to features. And this came from the Linux Wolf Pack. And we uh, talked about another story on that in the last episode about uh, getting uh, OpenWebRx uh, with a SDR for HF. So cool little thing there. So there's a different log, and it's a web-based logger. I didn't get a chance to try it out, but I definitely plan to because this is the kind of web-based logging that I'd be interested in using for myself. So Yeah, I looked at the uh, screenshot. I didn't see a link to the actual software, so I didn't dig into it. But, yeah, I wasn't impressed with the screenshot. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of, yeah, 19, uh, when PHP uh, 2 was good, you know. you know. Yeah. Right. I think the idea behind that is the mobile friendliness. They're trying to make it at least look semi-decent on a mobile device yeah. without having to go into uh, full responsive mode. I have a feeling that the author of this software, like me, is more into back-end than front-end. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. 
But yeah, it probably get the functionality works. working, and then come back later and have somebody that has some CSS magic and right make it pretty <laughs> and make it look good. Yeah, yeah. Do other yeah. logging things show you when you've contacted somebody? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. I'd say yeah. I don't know. That's so. pretty standard. I don't think you can find one that doesn't do a query into your logbook to see when you worked them last. Automatically, though. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Usually yeah, pretty just automatic. As you type it in. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's it's something that's actually pretty handy to know when you're talking to somebody in the world because you may have talked to them like 17 years ago and you you totally forgot or you may have talked to him yesterday and totally, totally forgot about it absolutely yeah. yep it depends on how many drugs you do sure <laughs> <laughs> man i was tripping <laughs> i'm not even sure how i turned the radio on but wow <laughs> lights and needles <laughs> and wow it makes noise <laughs> all right all right so we're back to bsd again thanks yeah, to bill circle so, back yeah i know we're coming full circle so tell us about it so oh no's bsd and the ham shack <laughs> so yeah <clears throat> so after uh after a little story there on uh on true os let's get the name right it's not bsd it's true os so I was like, oh, okay, well, last time I used BSD, we had to use a port, right? Isn't that, wasn't that everybody used that? Ports? for uh, Yeah, to get your apps. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, port, right? Yeah, okay. I use Mac ports on my Mac because yeah. it's BSD, oh, too. You should, you should be using Homebrew. <laughs> no, I like ports. <laughs> or I, Brew ports, or I don't know, something, hey, something catchy port, that uses ports Ruby. Ports works so. for Crayola. Oh, Ruby. Oh, please. Thanks. <laughs> Anyway, so <clears throat> back to our story. Spaces, so right? Would... Spaces and not tabs in Ruby? <laughs> <laughs> they use two spaces. <laughs> <laughs> Most people do. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two spaces as their tab. Anyway. <laughs> so uh, I, I went into the, the TrueOS's uh, app cafe. I said, well, let me see if I could turn this into some kind of viable, you know, Hamshack box. And the first thing I searched for is Hamlib. So what version comes up? 3.01. I'm like, wow, that's impressive. So installed it. CQR log, 2.01. Wow, installed it. FL Digi, oh, the latest version. Let me install that. FL Rig, oh, FL Log. <laughs> I'm like, wow, all this stuff is already in here. You know, I put uh, my, had to put MySQL on there. For some reason, the App Cafe does not respect uh, uh, requirements or dependencies. So that was kind of weird. Uh, when I first launched CQR log, it said, you know, oh, I can't use MySQL. Where'd it go? So, uh, so yeah. So, apparently it doesn't do that that well. Maybe that'll be fixed future. I'm not sure if App Cafe is something that's very specific to TrueOS or BSD. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that familiar. I mean, are you familiar with uh, any uh, App Center software for OpenBSD or anything? Or are they all different? No, because the only way I've really used FreeBSD in the past and in the current actually is as embedded software. So I, I don't wow. usually have to do it. Usually, all of the package maintenance is handled by you know the the GUI functionality. So I don't have to get down in yeah. it. Well, so everything worked out of the box. I could not find uh, WSJTX or WSJT in the rep- repository. So I started trying to download that and compiling it. And I didn't get uh, very far because it kind of started complaining about uh, it couldn't find Hamlib. And, you know, at this point, I'm like, oh, I just need the development package or whatever. And so I really didn't get much further than that. But I think, you know, initially, yeah, I mean, if you can get over the kind of, you know, not too stellar <laughs> GUI, I mean, out of the box, it has all the latest packages, which really every single linux debian brand variant does not you know, the repositories are not you know up to date like you know stretches which you you have to be on the bleeding edge to really have all those built into the repo you have to kind of search for them so i was really impressed by that fact that you know they they do have the latest packages so somebody's obviously maintaining these and making sure they're in the latest repo so that's that's kind of cool so i mean you know if it's something you want to try it's something different it's uh you know it it behaves like linux you know for the most part everything command line wise will feel very similar um it's definitely an alternative that uh has some support for uh, for our hobby so uh yeah i, th- I was i was impressed it, it it it's definitely a viable uh solution now i'm not sure if i heard in all of that that you actually used an application for ham radio under true os yeah 
Yeah, CQR log. I loaded it up and I actually imported my, my log and everything worked. Anything involving rig control? You know, I didn't plug it actually into the rig, but, you know, I, I launched a, a rig control. And, I mean, you know, it executed fine and had all the same options as uh, it does on my Linux box. I just I didn't walk it out there to plug in to the radio. I, I would as, I'd have to take an assumption that, you know, serial communications does work. Because that's really the only thing that really has to work beyond the software. Right, right. As long as you don't get a seg fault, as long as your serial communication right. is active, then you should be fine. Yeah. Yeah. So now mine, you know, again, was on VirtualBox running the VESA drivers for the GUI. So, you know, you know I'm not going to say I put it on bare metal, plugged it in my rig, and everything worked, you know, spectacular. But I would say that it's viable at this point. <laughs> Because <laughs> you know this is how I test pretty much everything before I put it into the ham shack is I put it in a you know virtual box and I see what I can get on there and what I can't and what I need to install so you know I create a list of stuff and a list of you know for Ubuntu I, I get a list of PPA sites that I'm going to add to the system and and that's what I that's what I do to build the system. So in your estimation, from the perspective of TrueOS and the App Cafe app manager, on a scale of zero to 10 where 10 is super newbie friendly and zero is you have to be god to use it um where would you put it if it would have installed mysql i would have put it probably at like a nine but since i had to like actually go out and find the mysql server and pick a version you know i'm gonna say probably you know seven eight you know but it was pretty easy you know, literally that was the only thing i had to do extra beyond just searching for and in, in fact, when I searched for Hamlib, what came up in Hamlib, and I actually do it right now so I get it right, uh, CQR log came up in the Hamlib search. So I typed in Hamlib, pressed enter, CQR log, GRIG, X, what the heck is that? <laughs> XCLX, I can't even read it, it's so small. <laughs> and Hamlib come up. So yeah, and, and GRIG's uh, 0.81, which is, is the latest as well. So yeah, so. So, I mean, just by typing in Hamlib, I mean, what if I type in amateur radio? I don't know what's going to pop up. So here's what comes up in uh, amateur radio. YFK log, Hamlib, uh, Yagi Uda, Chirp, LibSDR. Look at all this stuff. Let's see. Can I get the cursor down there? When you don't have the tools installed for the VM client, it kind of gets flaky. So LibSDR, Echo Linux, NEC2C. CX88, Linrad, Tempest for Eliza. I don't know what that is. Program to send AM radio signals using a PC monitor. Interesting. Sound modem, FL rig. Yeah, a bunch of stuff. Predict, satellite prediction, CW Damon, trusted SQL, or trusted QSL. So there you go. You can get on Logbook of the World 2.2.1. Same version uh, that's out everywhere. Ham facts. Last FM came in here. Hey, you know, everybody needs that for a ham radio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ruby Gem call sign <clears throat> provides a Ruby front front end for callbook info. K log splat geoid hack RF. Look at that. Yeah, uh, even as uh, QSS TV. Yeah, LibTuner, Riddy, Kismet, Kismet. What's that in there? For? Oh, okay. Uh, I was about to say that's tools. That's not really uh, <laughs> not really ham radio stuff. CWIRC, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's a ton of stuff in here. That's actually pretty good. Now, now all they have to do is is cross compile for ARM, and then they'll be super popular because then you can run it on a Pi. Yeah, yeah. That would that would be pretty cool. So yeah, I would think this is probably yeah pretty simple and you know functional enough. I don't know how it performs on bare metal, but maybe it's something to to look at in the future and definitely something to consider. I mean, maybe you can <laughs> use that uh, craptacular Dell laptop you've got and install all this on it. Yeah, yeah. As soon as I, uh, you know, don't have a job that requires it, I will, uh, <laughs> I will rebuild it. Oh, uh, job schmob. Just, just wipe it. It's a domain machine. I can't. <laughs> I would love to. Trust me. I've been like itching to press the Windows 10 button on it, but it won't let me. <laughs> or like Linux or something. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It definitely is a an odd bird. This Dell laptop. I will. It's a power horse, but yeah, something's weird. But then again, something weird with this one, too. Well, I don't know. Could be me, but every, actually everything's been going pretty well for the last little while, so we'll just oh, we'll go with that. Well, that's all I have for that. I mean, if anybody's interested in, in 
me doing some more stuff or trying it out and giving me a, you know giving us some feedback uh please do that and uh yeah i'll keep going down this uh, rabbit hole and <laughs> see what i find here i mean it's 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 not bad i i wouldn't mind trying it on something else you know considering ike over at solus has not finished fltk and you know i'm i'm tired of asking <laughs> <laughs> he was traveling uh last week and and i mentioned it while he was in the chat room and i'm like hey uh how's fltk coming oh hasn't somebody done that <laughs> <laughs> i'd really like to get all like the uh, fl digi and everything else to compile on my box and uh, i'm like uh i don't want to do this the bad way which is you know just compiling everything i'd really want it to be in the package manager so i can push up all the amateur radio packages for FL Digi, FL Log, FL Rig, and everything else. And it's just, I'm missing that one component that I can compile on my own, but it has a bunch of static links that they don't want in the repo. So right. I'm waiting. Still, Ike, I know you listen to us once in a while. <laughs> I won't get on the IRC room because I'm going to get kicked out if I ask too often. <laughs> Finish it. <laughs> That's all I could. That's from a movie. What is the movie? Yeah. (laughs) Finish it. Finish it. Stop playing video games and finish it. (laughs) Okay, I have to look it up now. Yeah. Or maybe it's finish him. No, it's finish it. All right, never mind. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. So, all right. (laughs) All right, that's cool. I'm going to actually do a little more investigation into TrueOS myself because I'm kind of curious about it now that you seem to have gotten things working relatively simply so I'd like to give it a shot see how it works yeah I was I was I was pretty impressed it was pretty simple I was like well geez that's that's too easy and I and like it's gotta the, be something more than that and I like the fact that it's got the later versions of things which is always nice yeah yeah I mean obviously somebody is maintaining this so it'd be interesting to see why you know why we have that kind of activity here and not in the debian repos right yeah at least at least on the debian repos that you know what 95 percent of the people are actually using (laughs) you know yeah and like that's pretty much all of the people that you know using ubuntu because it works quotes you know here's my air quotes it works right? (laughs) (laughs) it works if you want like old versions of stuff yeah it works it's stable Super stable. Yeah. Super. <laughs> so freaking stable you can't use it. <laughs> it's right. a doorstop. I have those. <laughs> it's very stable. It's very stable. And very secure. Yes. 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 I was going to say when we were talking about BSD earlier that my, my web host uses BSD, but I, I logged into it and I said, oh, they switched it to Linux. <laughs> and they're running what? What kernel version? 3.2.61. Very yeah. secure. Very stable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, GRSEC mod design. So, yeah. yeah, or mod sign. Yeah, yeah. I think my laptop's running 471 or something. Like <laughs> something crazy <laughs> bleeding edge, right? Some crazy <laughs> bleeding edge, yeah, yeah, kernel. But it's super fast. <laughs> uh, I bet it is. And it's but it probably doesn't run FLTK. It's running all those Trojans Thanks, really, really effectively, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, anyway, we're going to move on. It's time for some music, so we'll play some music. Uh, I found something that is close to my heart. It's in the heavy metal to, well, heavy rock to metal genre. I tried to pick something toward the lighter end of the spectrum for this group just to make it a little more listenable, listenable palatable to our you know general audience, I guess. So, Anyway, this is a song called 13 Roses by a group called Gunshot Bride. They're out of Russia. Uh, this, of course, came from Jamendo. This was released back in December of 2013. Runs a little under four minutes, and I'm just going to go ahead and play it now and, uh, you know, Get your groove on. Bang your head. Rock out. Let's do this thing. Thank you. 
13 Roses by Gunshot Bride, and I actually see when I'm looking at the information that mm. that song came out in 2015, not 2013. So. Shame on <laughs> you. Yeah, I know. I guess I somehow I got 2013 out of something. But. I actually really like that, and you said it was metal, and I really don't. Well, if you listen to other stuff by Gunshot Bride, it's much, much harder than that. As I said, I picked something towards the, the mellow end of the spectrum. But all of their stuff is really good, and I liked it. So yeah, it was pretty good. That was definitely one to if you're out on the road. That's the kind of music I feel my foot getting heavy. <laughs> <laughs> so all right, so we're gonna move on from that, and we're going into our next segment, which is announcements and feedback. Let, let, let me stop you real quick. Oh, it stopped me. Um, I your finish it thing. Oh yes. Uh, possibly came from Spider Man uh, in 2002. Entirely possible. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, as the Green Goblin bursts through the wall, finish it, finish it. So could could be. Yeah, don't honestly remember. But I don't know. Good I'm find. Just, good find. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> or something. I'm so, glad we cleared that up. Yeah, I'm glad we yeah, did too. Yeah, and and you know, and uh, you know, since we're being honest here, my uh, the version of of my kernel on my laptop is four point seven two. I wouldn't want to you know mislead anybody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just want to see the picture of Bill's recording area and it won't let me uh whiskey one romeo charlie papa in the chat room asks is that a vhs of true lies it probably is yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh it is yeah it is. I, I i do have that yeah we have dr no and witness and out of africa 16 candles strange brew you know oh how far do you have to zoom in to see that oh yeah there it is right there okay sure enough Ah, good okay. thing I didn't have any passwords up on my laptop screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I have it like written right there on the DVD. It says Finding Nemo. No, never mind. <laughs> uh, true yeah, lies. This is also my work desk right now, too. So, <laughs> Except for I normally don't have the Linux box sitting down there as well, but I have it there just for reference. That's on the other side of the TV, So, which you can't see the TV there. That's a very compact workspace, mm. so I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I have a whole office that I'm like spread out all over everything. So. All right. So yes, we've confirmed that it is in fact a VHS copy of True Lies. That's that's important to know. Uh, and also <laughs> important to know is that there are 14 Malaysian stations running a special event right now through the 16th of September 2016. The members of the Malaysian Amateur Radio Transmitter Society, MARTS, are now active with 14 special event stations. To encourage ham radio operators to participate in this event, MARTS will be issuing a special award certificate. More than one, actually. Activity will be on all amateur HF bands, including the WARC bands, using CW, SSB, and the digital modes. Repeater, satellite, EQSO, Echolink, and other relay methods are not permitted. And there's lots of information in the link we'll have in the show notes for what kind of awards are available and how you can apply for them. So go out there and contact Malaysia between now and the 16th of September. Cool. There were a bunch of, there were 14 different call signs, special event call signs, and I can't remember what they started with. They started with like 9M or something like that. They were, uh, you know, Malaysian. Yeah, yeah. Malaysian. So anyway, uh, moving on from that announcement, we also have one piece of feedback, and this is from Dan, Alpha Fox 7 Oscar. He says, Springfield-style cashew chicken for the win. Yay! Uh, For the win. Yeah, for the win. (laughs) For the win. My XYL is from Seattle, but she got hooked on Springfield-style cashew chicken while in southwest Missouri for college. Now the question is, where did she go? Uh, That's a good question. You can ask Dan sometime. (laughs) Uh, he says he found recipes online, and they have it several times a year. And that's from Dan, Alpha Fox 7 Oscar. The thing is, the recipes online that we have, tr- well, that we haven't tried, that my brother has tried that lives in Atlanta. Yeah, he says they're all crap. Yeah, they don't they don't quite make it. So, so he said they're closed, but they're not quite there. So in order to get true cashew style, you know, true Springfield style cashew chicken, apparently you need to come here. And let them whip it up in one of their little kitchens here. So, so Dan, next time you're in the area, we'll take you out for some real stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's it. There so. you go. All right. So with that, we're moving on to Cheryl's Recipe Corner. Woohoo! And this one's going to be kind of interesting because we actually tried the recipe right before the episode. So Yeah, we were choking it down literally seconds before the episode started. All right. So what are we eating? <laughs> or what uh, t- did we eat? Tonight we had chicken cordon bleu casserole. Uh, Russ is a big fan of chicken cordon bleu. I, on the other hand, not so much. So I found this recipe for the casserole. Thought, what the heck? I'll try this one since I don't like the chicken wrapped up with everything. And Russ's opinion of this is? I actually thought it was very good. And uh, I like the fact that it's in a casserole because I, I like casserole dishes, especially the kind you can just throw over some pasta or rice or whatever and just kind of, uh, a smorgasbord type meal where everything's you know mixed together that's that's really like you know you know trough eating that's the way i kind of eat so great uh but <laughs> thanks for that visual like a one pan meal that's yeah. right that's yep. a- <laughs> just mix it all together in a bowl puree and i'm good no yeah. um but th- this was uh it was actually really good i don't like it quite as much as actual chicken cordon bleu there's something about chicken cordon bleu where you get a more distinct uh, separation of flavors from the rolled ingredients and stuff than you did with this. This this really did sort of combine all the great the ingredients. Plus, chicken cordon bleu doesn't have mayonnaise and milk in it and stuff like that, because, which, well, which added a, a kind of a sauce to it. So right, it, yeah. it changed it a little bit. But overall, I thought it was excellent. Like I said, I don't like it quite as much as you know an actual chicken cordon bleu, but it's very very good. I give up. You'll never have <laughs> what, it again. Whatever. <laughs> You haven't even I, talked about the recipe yet. Yeah, Come I haven't on, even talked about the recipe yet. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the recipe is a um, can of cream of mushroom soup, mayonnaise, milk, Dijon mustard, black pepper, cooked chicken that has been shredded. Uh, probably rotisserie chicken would come in very handy here. Uh, deli sliced ham, Swiss cheese, Italian breadcrumbs, butter, and paprika. In my recipe, because I was pushed for time, I added egg noodles to the recipe and doubled the sauce to have enough sauce for the egg noodles. I also added a little extra Dijon mustard to help with my dislike of the uh, chicken cordon bleu. Uh, and I did extra butter and breadcrumbs because it actually, my my dish increased in size. But the, the original recipe calls for a 9 by 13 dish. I used a 10 by 
14 or 16. Don't remember what size that pan is. And it was full. You know, I just, I literally doubled uh, the mushroom soup, the mayonnaise, the milk, the Dijon mustard, and the pepper, and just kind of tweaked it from there. But I'm really bad about doing it anyway. So, but I, I am not a fan, but I liked it. So, Russ and I are going to have to work this one out, I guess. So, <laughs> no, if, if all I ever get again is the casserole, I'll be, I'll be happy with that. That's fine. Well, that's good because I only fix cordon bleu about once a year because that's about all I can handle. So, and I'm not sure why because I like all the components of cordon bleu, except I'm not a big fan of Swiss cheese. I just don't like them all mixed together. So, so. the cooking instructions and all the extra details that you need to put that together for yourself are going to be in the show notes. It took you, what, a little less than an hour to, to actually a, put it together? About an hour, but we started with the chicken frozen and the ham frozen, and, yeah, right. we had to get everything. So about 45 so. minutes, probably, yeah, prep and cook time. Yeah, it's a 30-minute cooking time. If you start with a rotisserie chicken or chicken that's already been cooked, are you okay with it with their egg noodles? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Egg okay. noodles are great. I mean, I think rice would have given it a little something extra, but, of course, rice has, um, you know, we tend to do flavored rice, so... Right. might have uh, kicked it up a notch you know and if emerald ever listens to this i'm sure i'll get sued but yeah, uh, <laughs> a little wild rice in there with a little you know bam bam yeah right. there you go <laughs> absolutely <laughs> all right so very good let's move on to our social media roundup Yay. for our donations of subscriptions we have jonas rulio rulio excuse me jeremy hall michael connelly scott Pettigrew, bob yerke paul griffith Ronald Ike, Johnny Kinsey, Brian Smith, Robert Halliday, Ben Schram, Michael Aiello, uh, John Clark, Rob Branch Dash, Edward Donnelly, Donald Gever, Alan Wilson, Stephen Sainer, Dylan Engel, Jason Marinero, James Blocker, Doug Redder, Michael Latsky, Darren King, Petra Karsakis, Donna Farron, Bill Stearns, Bill Piotr, Robert Pitts, and Jeff Cannell. Facebook, we have Irv Johnson, David Hartley, and Henry Schott Jr. On Google+, Plus, we have Jorge Martinez. On Twitter, Twitter we have at Glenn, AK4HA, at Fix underscore It underscore Frank, and at Saxy. Nobody joined us on YouTube, and nobody joined the mailing list, and there were no merchandise sales this week. Nope, but there we go. We're down to the bottom, so let's take a quick look at the chat room, because we've made it to the end, finally. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. We're talking about my movie collection. One of the movies has disappeared. The chat room is distressed. (laughs) (laughs) It's distressed. (laughs) So anyway, that's the show for tonight. So I'm going to push the outro button, and there's going to be some music, and there it is. So, yay. So you can become an LHS ambassador. Visit the website for upcoming events and information on how you can represent Linux in the Ham Shack at a nearby LinuxCon or HamFest. We love feedback. We really, really love feedback. You can email us at info at lhspodcast.info. You can comment on an episode on the website, post on Google+, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can leave us a voicemail at one nine zero nine lhs show That's one nine zero nine five four seven seven four six nine. Visit our IRC channel, Octothorpe LHS Podcast, on the Freenode Network and subscribe to our mailing list. Show merchandise from coffee mugs to t-shirts can be purchased at www.cafepress.com stroke LHS Podcast. You can also help the show by clicking on the sponsored ads in the right-hand column of the homepage. Listen to us live every other Monday at 8 o'clock Central Time. That's Tuesday at 0100 Zulu in the summertime. 0200 Zulu in the winter. Our recording schedule and countdown timer to the next episode are on the website. And that website is lhspodcast.info for everything you ever wanted to know about the show. Thank you to all of our listeners in the chat room live, quasi-live, past, present, and future. We appreciate each and every one of you. This has been episode number 175 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And we'll see you all in a couple of weeks when we do it all again. My name is Russ. I'm K5TUX. And out there in fuzzy audio, big sky country in Montana is Bill. (laughs) 73 uh, everywhere. (laughs) And Cheryl. Good night, everybody. And we'll see you all in a little while. Goodbye. Bye.
Yeah, these are toenail fungus. <laughs>